0: so since we're in the way of singing happy birthday you might want to take a moment and wish yourself a happy birthday because this is the day that we celebrate the birthday of the church this yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah church get it this is pentecost sunday this is the sunday that we celebrate the spirit of god being poured out upon his church jesus had promised his disciples that another comforter would come in his name and uh, they gathered together. We're going to read about it a little bit today. But they gathered together in an, in an upper room. Some theologians think they actually gathered together in a temple. And that may be, have been the case. But hundred and twenty of them. Which is exactly ten times or tenfold the amount of disciples that Jesus had. And they gathered together in an upper room waiting for a promise. And they didn't know what it was going to look like. And they didn't know what it was going to come. They just knew that there was a promise given. And that they were to tarry or wait in Jerusalem until it came. And they did and Acts chapter 2 gives the account that uh, the Spirit of God was poured out upon the upon all of them and they begin to speak with other tongues and other languages and they were men from Asia and men from all over Europe and men from Africa even and they all heard the gospel of the kingdom in their own native language and they said how is this that we're able to hear the good good news of the kingdom in our own language The truth of it is that if you go way, 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 way back to the Old Testament and read there were some men and women who had gathered together and come together in unity trying to build a a tower that would reach from the earth to the heaven. And the Bible says that the Lord took notice of it and says he noticed that they were of one mind and they spoke one language. And he said because they're in unity and speak one language, nothing will be impossible to them. So God divided their language Fast forward to the birthday of the church, now the language that has been divided, not only was there not man building a tower from the earth to the heaven, but Jesus came to bring heaven to earth, and now he was going to unify their language, and they would all speak in in diverse men's languages, but it was the one language of the kingdom, and it was the gospel of the kingdom. What does gospel mean? It means the God story. It means the good news. If it ain't good news, it ain't the gospel. By definition, if you hear something preached and it ain't good news, it's not the gospel. But they heard the good news. That Jesus had come born of a virgin that he was crucified and that he was buried and that he being buried went into the heart of the earth and stripped Satan of the keys of death and of hell. And the Bible says that he raised captivity captive and gave gifts to men and when he rose from the dead he said I am he that was dead but now I'm alive and I'm alive forevermore and behold I've got the keys of death and of hell. 40 days he would be seen by the disciples in Jerusalem. And on the 40th day, the Bible says that a cloud came and overshadowed him. And the next thing you know, the cloud took him and the disciples wondered where he had gone. And then there were two men in white raiment and said, why do you look for Jesus here? The same way that he's been taken, he'll come again. And so you're just tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. And so 10 days after his ascension, they wait. And finally, in Acts chapter 2, his spirit is poured out. And that's what we celebrate today today. Pentecost, Pentecost meaning 50 or 50 days after the feast of Passover in the Old Testament, the feast of harvest, or in the New Testament, 50 days after the Passover and the birthday of the church. Amen. It would be the day that his spirit, the spirit of God, the same spirit that dwelt in Jesus would be poured out. Thus, becoming the birthday of the church it was and is a time of celebration today should be a time of celebration Acts 1 and 2 give the story of Jesus' resurrection time with the disciples afterwards and his ascension when they begin to speak with other tongues and other languages people from all over the world from the Middle East, Asia, Africa heard the gospel in their own language they were baptized Peter stood up and preached repentance and they believed and were baptized this was the day where the church received the same spirit say back to me the same spirit They received back the same spirit, not a different spirit, but the same spirit, not another spirit, but the same spirit that dwelt in Jesus, according to Romans chapter 8. Now, I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 5, and I think that I'm reading from the the message translation. Um, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the spirit of Christ empowers you, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the spirit. And if you are joined to the spirit of the anointed one, then you are of him. And if you're not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you're not of him. Now, Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God verse 11 Yes Jesus raised or yes God raised Jesus to life and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit say with me the same spirit that breathes life into you so then beloved ones the flesh has no claims on us at all and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it For when you were living controlled by the flesh, you're about to die. But if the life of the spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, then we taste his abundant life. The mature children of God are those who are motivated by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you do not receive the spirit of religious duty, which leads you back into the fear of never being good enough. My God, this message will preach itself, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. The King James says the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba father, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned for he rises up within us, our spirit's join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father or Abba father, for the Holy spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. I said, the Holy spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being you. Somebody look at the person beside you. I'm talking about that person. Look to the person on the other side. I'm talking about that person. You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, then we qualify to share in all his treasures. My God, for indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Not just all that he has, but all that he is. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings or his passions as our own. I am convinced That any suffering we endure now is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled in us. It's not to diminish what you may be going through. The King James says, for I am persuaded. That any suffering that I endure is not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For, it is, for its will, the universe itself has had to endure, against its will, the universe has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequence of human sin. Now I want to pause there and I'm going to tell you what human sin is. This is sin. Sin is literally, by definition, a mistaken identity or missing the mark and the mark was what was the mark what was what is mistaken identity well to know mistaken identity we must first know what the real identity was does this make sense are you tracking with me For us to understand sin, we must first understand what, what living in purity and living in wholeness is. So in the beginning, God made man in his image and in his likeness. That was the original design. He said, the Lord said one day, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And so when He created man, He created them male and female, created He them. We'll leave that part for a different day. But He created them in His own likeness, which is to say without sin, without imperfection, completely and utterly perfect, and clothed in nothing but His glory. If that's the mark, then sin is anything that misses that mark. We think sin. Especially, unfortunately, we think sin is when we say a word we shouldn't say, or maybe drink something we shouldn't drink, or or when we put something in our body that we shouldn't put in our body. No, that's a result of sin. That's not sin. Sin is not when you cussed out the lady that stole that parking spot that God gave you at Walmart. Sin is what caused you to have the offense in the first place. Now don't mishear me and say, well, preacher said it wasn't sinning when I cussed out the woman that took my parking spot, so have at it. No, that is the result of sin, but sin is when God was shooting for man to look just like him and have his authority and have his image and have his likeness and be able to speak to dead things and cause them to come to life again. Missing that, coming short of that, that's sin. That's what sin is. The effects of sin is all the other stuff that I mentioned. I found out long ago that most of the time, people that are drinking to get drunk, are, are the, the alcohol is not the problem, the thing they're trying to drown in the alcohol is the problem. I found a whole, a whole long time ago that people that shot stuff up in their veins, that's not the sin, that's not the issue. The issue is what are they trying to be freed from or, or what kind of reality are they trying to separate themselves from that causes them to be in such a desperate place that they put things in their body. We stand back as the church and judge the ones that do this and the ones that do this, never knowing that they're crying out for the church to do what they were called to do and say, hey, you don't have to do that. You're worth more than that. You're made in God's image. And it's not enough. Listen to me. It's not enough to say it, but you've got to activate it and do it. How can I do that? I'm going to give you a real good one that's going to fit real good for today. When you hear the stupid little racist joke in society, shut it down right then. Hello, is anybody in here? When your uncle calls you or your cousin calls you, your friend calls you and starts to say something that makes someone less than the image of God, you shut it down and say, no, not, that's not the way that I see it. That's a son of God. That's a daughter of God. I didn't know you were going to talk about this. Fasten your safety belts. It gets a whole lot better or a whole lot worse, depending on your perspective. Throw your hand up if you're real uncomfortable. No, don't do that. (laughs) I got about three of them over there. Sin is not doing the stuff. Sin is seeing yourself and seeing your brothers or sisters as less than the image of God. And when we see our brothers or our sisters less than the image of God, then we judge them, we cause them to sin, and it makes us sin. That's not the message today. Just thought I'd throw that little free part in. Didn't cost you a thing, but all creation is standing on tiptoe waiting for God's sons and daughters to stand up and say, hey, we know who we are and we know who you are and we will not settle for anything less. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. 26. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes a hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Has anybody this week besides me had some emotional sighs that were just too deep for words? If you've watched the news and you haven't had those, I'm hoping today's gonna be an awakening for you because you need an awakening. If you can see the travesty of this man's life being taken with such with, with such malcontent and, and such just, just demonic. If you don't think what happened to, to, to George Floyd was demonic, It doesn't matter to me what you think the cause of it was. Whether it was racism or not, the fact that one man can take another man's life and not even have a different look on his face while doing it tells me that's demonic. Some of you think the government set him up to do this and we don't know whether they did or not. Some of you think this was a man who lived in racism or did, I don't care, it doesn't matter to me. What does matter to me is the life that God gave that man was taken by another man and that's evil and that's demonic and that must stop and it has to stop on our watch. If you think anyone that used to be or is currently in the White House is gonna fix that, you're sadly mistaken. If you think that we're gonna be able to legislate morality and cause that to stop, you are sadly mistaken. The change that is gonna come is not going to come in the White House or in the House of Representatives. It has to start in the house of God. And if it doesn't start here, where is it going to stay? It has to start. And to start in the house of God, it has to start in your house. Sitting at your table with your family and your children and saying, I'm not allowing this to happen. Not in my community, not in my church, not on my watch. The whole creation is groaning and travailing and waiting for reality to take place. And the reality is we're all God's children. We're his sons and we're his daughters. But until we see ourselves and them as sons and daughters, then we're gonna treat our brothers or sisters less than they deserve, less than Jesus paid for, less than God originally designed. And doing so, we treat ourselves less than God's original design. Having determined, I better get back to the scripture, having determined our destiny, I'm sorry, for verse 29, for he knew all about us, Jesus, before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone that he called and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold anything from us that he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge. Who? That might be a message in itself. God himself is the judge. I'll say one more time. God himself is the judge. My dad used to say, he said it so many years. I remember he said he was preaching it. I don't remember the context, but he said the Lord spoke to him and said, Tony, get out of the judge's seat and get in the witness stand. How many times you hear him say that? Get out of the judge's seat. Get in the witness stand. A witness for what? A witness for God the Father having manifested love through the Son Jesus Christ and birthing all of calling all of his family to new life in him. That's the witness. We've witnessed it. We've seen it. We've heard. And so we share. We testify. I'm not preaching something that I learned in a school. I'm preaching a lifestyle. Pray to God. It's a lifestyle that I'm living and learning to live. Who then can condemn us? Oh, I, I'm sure, I'm sorry, I should back up. God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, and the gu- verdict is what? Not guilty. This is your Bible. God, this is a translation, but this is your Bible. God has issued himself the final verdict over creation, and his verdict is not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave us his life. And even more than that, he's conquered death and now is risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. Absolutely no one. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions or deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they all are impotent to hinder omnipotent love, even though it is written all the day long we face deaths for your sake. I'm going to go back. I need to read this again. All of the things, the deprivations, the persecutions and dangers and death threats, they are impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Impotent. Completely powerless. Prophet Sidney Smith stood in our stage years and years ago, and he said there's a whole lot of people filling podiums and pulpits and stages every week that think that they're that they're important, but the truth of it is they're just impotent. They have no power whatsoever. They're not seed bearers. You better be thankful that in front of you, you've got people that that are seed bearers, that are fathers, that don't mind putting truth inside of you. I know it has to come in seed form because if it come in harvest form, it'd choke you to death. But in seed form, it can grow and in due time, it will bring harvest. What about persecutions? No, they're impotent to hinder omnipotent love, even though it is written all the day long. We face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all for God has made us to be more than conquerors. And he demonstrated love or, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over life's troubles. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present world or in our future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And everybody said That's the Bible. Back to verse 11. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Today, I'm going to talk to you about Pentecost, the same spirit. Today, uh, Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the very spirit of God is celebrated. At your new birth experience... At your new birth experience, how many people have been born into his kingdom? I'm gonna see your hands. If you haven't, we're gonna give you that opportunity today. You've been born into his kingdom. When Jesus was raised from the dead and he saw his disciples, the Bible says he breathed on each one of them and the spirit of God went into each inside of each one of them. And yet, by and large, their lives did not change. Their personal life changed, but they had no influence outside of their own personal life. They were still doing what they did pretty much all the time. That was their new birth experience. But Jesus said there's something else coming. Let me read my notes and get to it. At your new birth experience, you receive the breath of God just as Adam received the breath of God when he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. So when you are born again, you received the inbreathed spirit into yourselves. Amen. Amen. It is true that when you have your new birth experience, you have passed from death unto life. It is true that your future is secure and your past is done away with. And your, your ever now reality is that you are a son and daughter of God at your new birth experience. And yet Jesus told his disciples, and I'm telling you, there's a whole lot more than just that. The difference is Adam was made a living soul, but when you are born born into his kingdom, you are given life by the quickening spirit who is the last Adam. Just as Mary was told by Gabriel that she would be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, literally the Spirit of God is going to superimpose himself over you and fill your dark virgin womb with the very seed of God, goodness, in the same way that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters in his creation and hovered over the void dark. And womb of that virgin girl. His spirit hovers over the dark waters of your being until the seed of God is planted inside and fertilizes your soul until what grows up in you looks just like him and talks just like him and has his eyes and has his mouth and has his face and his expression. It is the same spirit. We didn't know what God looked like. It's 12 o'clock, which means it's five o'clock somewhere. Just give me, how many people? I'm doing, oh, how many people give me five more minutes? Just throw your hands up. It's 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 30. Okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. It's old, old preacher's joke, but got to pull out the old ones every once in a while. Huh? Dad worthy? That was dad worthy. Well, I, I'm honored to, be, to say that. No one knew what, what God looked like. We had. Pictures of him and, and and small glimpses of what he looked like. And yet, by and large, what happens throughout the Old Testament is not a perfect picture of God, it's an incomplete picture. It is mankind coming to the knowledge of who God is. is, is just follow along with me. Track me for a minute. If he the Bible says Paul was very clear that Jesus was the express image. That's your King James. I know we got some King James only. That's okay. I think Jesus carried one. <laughs> King James 1611. (laughs) Did you know that the New Testament followers of Jesus did not have a New Testament Bible? Anyways, besides all that. So the Old Testament, the law and the prophets and Moses and Abraham and all, what they're doing is they're seeing glimpses of God but they don't see him perfectly if they had seen him perfectly according to Paul Jesus would not have had to come and yet Paul says of Jesus that he is the express image of his person essentially Jesus is everything so here's what happens God overshadows Mary and puts his seed and fertilizes an egg inside of Mary and when Jesus is born guess what it would be true to say where's David is my son David in here David make your way down here real quick if you're up there in the balcony just jump over slide down that rail, hurry son, hurry son, I should have gotten Isaac, just cause he's quicker, but this boy, if I were to walk in public with this kid, most people would probably assume that he's my brother, no, just kidding, that this is my son, why, because he looks like me, he's a little better looking, but by and large, he looks like me, if you were to see David, then it it, it would, you could say, man, when I've seen him, it's like I've seen Josh. Because his eyes are kind of like my eyes and his mouth is kind of like my mouth. His ears, unfortunately, are like my ears. His, bo- his build, his, his everything about him. Re- you can sit down now. Just go sit down, son. Go sit down. is, is, is like me. So when, when Jesus was fully formed, it would, be, it would be okay to say, oh, now we see what God looks like. Right. When Jesus sees humanity, he sees with Father's eyes because he's got his Father's eyes. And when Jesus hears the cry of humanity, he's got his Father's ears. So he hears how the father hears. When Jesus speaks, he's got the father's mouth, so whatever he says must be what the father would have said. When Jesus touches, he's got his father's hand, so whatever he... I'll go so far as to say when he was crucified on the cross, he had his father's hands in his father's feet and he was not God's whipping boy. He was not what, he was not what happened. Jesus is not what God did to get man uh, to forgive and, and, and beating Jesus up. The Bible says that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself. The cross is not what God did to Jesus to get us to love him. The cross is what God did through Jesus to show us how much He loves us. That's a good one to bookmark. You might want to bookmark that one. The cross is not what God did to Jesus to get us to love Him. And that's what a lot of us are taught. The cross is what God did through Jesus to show us how much He loves us. Get back to Pentecost. Spirit of God overshadows his church. And the same spirit that went inside Mary and calls her to give birth to Jesus is the same spirit that hovered over the dead, cold body of Jesus when he laid in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And, and breathed into Jesus' nostrils, and the Spirit of God goes inside his nostrils, and Jesus, the firstborn from among the dead, sits up from the dead. It would be the same Spirit that would hover over the church in an upper room in Acts chapter two, and, and would be poured out among everyone that was up there. And the first thing that happens is they start talking, and everybody around them says, man, these guys are drunk. And Peter said, dude, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Now you gotta be hard up to be drunk by nine o'clock in the morning. I thought I'd get more than two laughs out of that, but okay, whatever. Didn't work too well for me, but it's the same spirit. The same spirit that gave Adam breath. You remember in the garden. The same spirit that took Enoch before he ever had the taste of death. The same spirit that saved Noah's family and brought him into a new world. The same spirit that gave life to Abraham's dead loins and Sarah's dead barren womb. The same spirit that made a prince out of a trickster was the same spirit that spoke to Moses out of the cloud and out of the burning bush. The same spirit that took Joshua from slavery to the promised land. The same spirit that whispered to a young boy named Samuel and caused him to be a prophet to the nations. This, My God, the same spirit that was the wind behind a shepherd boy stone and that killed an undefeated giant. The same spirit that empowered a grumpy old prophet to raise seven people from the dead and his protege to raise 14. The same spirit that put a prophet inside Elizabeth's dead barren womb and the same spirit that illuminated Mary's dark virgin womb and impregnated her with Emmanuel is the same spirit that overshadowed The dead cold body of Messiah and raised him to life again, making him the firstborn from among the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of every believer and the same spirit into which we can be baptized, fully immersed into so that like Jesus, we may bring good news to the poor, be sent to proclaim that captives are to be released and the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. You receive his spirit. It is the same spirit. The spirit that we know historically and hopefully the same spirit that we know experientially. It's the same spirit that energizes his people to say, you don't have to live in the bondage of sin. Sin not being what you do, sin being who you think you are, but you're not really. The same spirit that comes on sons and daughters and causes people that are spiritually and naturally blind to have their eyes opened and see. The same, my God Almighty, the same spirit that speaks to cancer and says, How dare you attack a son or a daughter of God Himself? You have no right on this body. The same, is anybody in the church besides me aware of this, the same spirit? The same spirit that walks up to people who haven't walked and grab and they receive strength in their legs. The same spirit that causes families to reconcile. This, uh, Amen. I Man, I really could go on and on and on, but I think you're getting the point. This is the spirit. This is the birthday of the church. The day that we celebrate this church receiving within themselves the very same spirit that caused and allowed and empowered Jesus to do everything he did. Because Jesus did everything he did when he walked the earth, not as God, but as a son. He, he is God. Don't miss and hear me. But everything that he did, he did not do as God. He did as a son in right relationship with his father, empowered by the spirit. Well, that's a mouthful right there. If he had done it as God, we celebrate it and say, wonderful God, that's wonderful. But the fact that he did it as a son, uh-huh. seeing what the father does and walking it out by the spirit means every other son and daughter, consecutive sons and daughters that are born in his kingdom ought to be causing the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk and the dumb to talk. Yeah. The same spirit. Same spirit. So, the same spirit that Has Jesus give a parable about a the good Samaritan that saw a man beaten and broken and bloodied on the side of the road and a priest comes by and what's the priest do? Walks on by. A Pharisee comes by. What's the Pharisee? Walks on by. But the good Samaritan sees him broken and stops down and pours in wine and oil, puts him on his horse, takes him to an inn and says, here's some money. If there's more money that's required than this, when I come again, I'm going to make sure you're fully paid. The same spirit that energized Jesus to be raised from the dead is a spirit that the church needs in our society today to cause us to see no difference in Cam sitting back there on the back. Don't come up here because you're better looking than me and a little bit bigger, but I'm working on it. To Joshua Bunton. This is actually a worldwide problem. In the United States, the United States, it's, it's white supremacy. In South Africa, it's black supremacy. I've been there too. Throughout the generations, really what the issue is, is the only supreme being is God himself. We're, we're all supposed to be equal as brothers and sisters. I love all of my children, I would like to say equally, and yet I have a different relationship with them, but it doesn't mean I love one more than the other. That's the way God is with his children. Yes. Red and yellow, black and white. And as my friend from Georgia told me yesterday, you forgot about brown people. And I said, well, I didn't mean to I dip my thumb in brown and do this. Well, I didn't know you were going to talk about social issues. Where in the world do you think the spirit of God wants to be manifested? You think we just come in the church and get some sick people healed and that's the spirit of God. And yet you leave and you look at someone who's a person of color and treat them differently. That's not the spirit of God. You faked it in church. You can't fake healings. oh, I beg your pardon, oh yes you can. They accused Jesus of that, remember that? They accused Jesus of it, they said, he by the prince of, by the prince of devils cast out devils, Beelzebub. And Jesus said, if, if a kingdom divided, is divided against itself, how can a kingdom stand? Remember he said, they would say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these great wonderful works in your name? You know what he says to them? You know what he says? To, I never knew you. I never had intimacy with you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. Anybody that stands on a podium or inside of a church and, and wants to heal those that are, that are spiritually broken or that are physically broken and walks out the door and talks about someone that's of a different color or a different, or, 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 or a different background than they are, I can promise you immediately you can recognize that person as a hypocrite at worst and at least a fraud. It's no longer okay to stay silent. Boy, it got real tight. I'll say, it, I'll say it like the prophet said back in the day, it's tight, but it's right. I don't have any problem saying it. Because the change is going to happen here. You clapped real loud when I said it with some modulation about 20 minutes ago. But now I'm telling you, when you go to your school, you better make sure that you're not treating the person that's of a different ethnic background or whatever than you treat yourself. Because that person is no less made in the image of God than you are. You want to talk about sin? Well, I've I've never touched alcohol. I've never touched no drugs. No, but you talk about a person of color like they're beneath you or like they're trash or they deserved whatever happened to them. That's a hypocrite. That's an evil, ugly spirit. Right. My God, give me somebody. I'd rather have somebody that, that unfortunately would, would, would dr- would drinks all the time and does stuff but loves people. You can deal with that. What's sad is that today across America, these podiums are filled with people that are probably making excuses for why Mr. Floyd is not alive today. Here's what I say by the Spirit of God. Lord, shut every one of them up. All right. Because they're hypocrites and they certainly don't represent Jesus Christ. And they do not represent the Father. Well, I didn't know he was going to say that. I'm just, well, i tell you what you knew. You can take your religious devil and come down here and I'll help you get free. Or you can take your religious devil and march right out the door and, and do what you need to do. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as I've got a place to do here, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your background is. You're loved. You're welcomed. And you will always be loved and welcomed by the father and by his sons and daughters in this church. And if that bothers you, maybe you need to come up to the front. and Let me cast that devil out of you. It is a devil. I would say I'm sorry to the visitors, but I'm not sorry. I I know we've got some, God bless you. I just, Lord, just strengthen them in Jesus name. Not doing something when you see an injustice is just as bad as being a part of the injustice. And here's how we change things. Here's, I I wanna explain something. I I wanna talk, I wanna talk for a few minutes, Lord Jesus. I wanna talk just for a few minutes to my white brothers and sisters. Okay, listen to me. I'm one of you. You're one of me. I'm also, but I was in Statesville. I was, my friends, here's what I used to tell myself. I was born on Park Drive, which is true. My father delivered me on Park Drive in Statesville. If you know anything about Statesville, you know that's probably not the place where you would want to be your father. I don't know if there is a place you want your father to deliver you unless your dad's a doctor. (laughs) My best friend growing up was named Ty Johnson. He was a black kid. When I'm, and we moved about every four or five years. I guess that's just what you do. And, you know. and so then I moved to uh, middle school. And my best friend in middle school, his name was Tian Bruner. Enrique. He cooks wings right here in Statesville. If you don't know who he is, chefello, you need to get up some of his wings. they are really good. Aren't they? They're good. And I had other friends too. Throughout my whole life. And so here's what I've told myself. I'm not racist because I have... An, an, or I'm not... I, I don't have uh, privilege because, you know... Be, I've had black friends my whole life. I mean, heck, I lived in a house. Most houses we lived in were farmhouses, with no insulation, no central air, you know, no heat. And so I convinced myself that I understood what a person of color had to live with in the United States because I had, we had no money growing up, never had money, got made fun of because of the lack of money that we had. And it's not because my father didn't have money. What money he did have, most of the time, he just gave it away. But there were times when we had you know i mean we i remember getting up on old mountain road right across from the gym where i work out and we'd have to get around a a kerosene heater because that was the only heat jeremy remember the only heat we gathered around that kerosene heater to get warm enough even to go you know and and get ready for school one bathroom four women one bathroom if you don't think that's hell you don't know anything about life my mother my three sisters and always there were other people staying there becky lived with us becky's like a sister to me might as well be In fact, most of the people, Tanya's been with us, Elizabeth, you know, one bathroom. And I thought, well, I I sort of can empathize because, you know, I grew up poor. I grew up made fun of, but I've never walked across the street and worried if I'm going to be judged or somebody's going to lie and say I did something I didn't do because my skin was dark. I've never been pulled over by an officer afraid for my life. Not one time. I've been ticked off, you know, like most of us, like my wife. My wife was coming home about a month or two ago, and on our road, one road from, removed from ours, right past your house, Miss Kim, going about 50 miles in a 30, 50 miles an hour and a 35, and got pulled over, and pulled over, and, and uh, she said, are you really giving me, and the officers, she said she was 10 feet away from the 45, I'll remember that, I'll remember that. When Isaac's 10 feet away from the cabinet about to steal them snacks and she jumps on him. Hey, he's still 10 feet away. I remember that. (laughs) She gets pulled over and I know she wants to do something. But Elizabeth, you were not afraid for your life. I believe in law enforcement and, and I have friends that are in law enforcement and I honor them and they're in this town and I love them. And I believe that that's a appropriate and that's a needful thing. Otherwise, then we have a lawlessness. And I understand all that. What I do not understand is how in the world does somebody get pulled over for going five or 10 or 15 miles an hour over and they're not listening to the same type of music you listen to. And so they're fearful. I've never had my heart be out of my chest. Marquita, because I sent my son to school and didn't know if he was going to. If everything was going to be okay when he came home, I've never had to worry about going into a a courthouse and being judged wrongly and looking at what's supposed to be a jury of my peers, and yet everybody up there is a different color than me, a different background than me, and cannot possibly empathize. Empathy is when you understand something experientially. Sympathy is when you can say, man, I feel for you because of that. At best, we can sympathize. None of us empathize. And if the spirit of God inside of us does not cause us to bring change in these type of issues, then I think that he's kind of sick and tired of him begging for uh, for us, begging for him to heal, you know, people inside our little church setting when it's comfortable. Thank you. I knew somebody would say it. If we're not willing to stand up and say, no, you can't, you're not doing this because of the color of your skin, you're not doing it because, no, if we're not willing to say that then, then when we get in the church system, it'd probably be better just to sit down and keep our mouths closed instead of begging God. If I were God, I would say, how dare you ask me to open blinded eyes when your eyes are so blind that you don't see that you're a part of the problem? Well, I've never done anything. That's exactly right. You've never done anything, so you're part of the problem. All of us, by way of social media now, have a platform. Every one of us have a platform on which to speak. (laughs) And I will say this. I'll say Facebook has never raised the dead or caused the blind to see, but he has absolutely undoubtedly allowed the dumb to speak. (laughs) But we have a platform. And if we can't do anything else, we can get on there and say, I want you to know that I stand for unity and I love people no matter what their color is or whether, stop saying I look for the day we're colored blind. No, I don't want us to not see color. I want us to see and celebrate diversity and to celebrate color and cultural differences and background. We need to celebrate that because the kingdom of God looks like that. The kingdom of God is a melting pot. In that upper room, when that experience happened in the birth of the church, Here's what, here's the, here are three things you can take away. First, there was a promise given. They were in unity and then the spirit came. And once the spirit came, everyone heard in their own language, the gospel. We're wanting to move of the spirit and yet we don't want to walk in unity. We want that we pray. I feel it in bones, you're about to move. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. And the Lord says, I'll do it once you're in unity. You want to see revival again? No problem. I got you. You're going to have to do it in unity. And unity is not uniformity. You don't have to look alike or think alike or act alike. Unity is when we choose that I refuse to allow what is, different, what is our differences to separate us. I won't let the fact that Cam is on this side of town and I'm on this side of town. I'm just not trying to pick on Cam, but I'm using him as an example. Or Robin lives from here or her background's from here. My back. I won't allow that to, to, to cause a difference. We can, I, I want to I walk in unity. And once you walk in unity, then the gospel is heard around the world. This new revival, this third awakening that's happened is not just going to be the spirit poured out upon the white church or the black church. It's going to be poured out on the church that says there is no white. There is no black. There's just one body. And we're made up of red, yellow, black, brown, and white. Get on Facebook and just say, look, I love people of color. I stand with people of color. If you go out, don't be going out throwing bricks inside windows and stuff like that. But I'll say this, I will say this, I was coaching. this is probably going to be not a, 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 a relatively poor example, but it, but it's maybe it'll give you some understanding. It's coaching David and Isaac their first year playing soccer together, and we know you know it would have been the it been like the third season, second year playing soccer. And we always played. I won't call the school's name, but we always played this one team and we hated them, hate because they won. But they won by cheating, literally. And I don't say that. I'm a, I, look, I've had undefeated seasons. I know what it's like to win. I know what it's like to lose. But this was like, man, they're beating our kids to death. The kids, I mean, when you're five and six years old and you walk away with bloodied lips and stuff, that, something's wrong when that's happening. You know, and so, so here's what's happening. We're playing this team. They've got this kid that's well out of age. He should not have been playing. And he's playing. He's just destroying destroying our team. He's hitting kids. He's getting left and right. David, bless his heart, David was about this big when he was five. Not really, but he was, you know, maybe about this big. And he's just getting knocked all over the field, knocked all over the Finally, finally, the next time that it happened, this kid comes up and he was much bigger than David. He just wallops David and flows. David goes flinging. He's a field player. Isaac's in the goal. I look out and I'm on this side of the field. Out of the corner of my eye, Isaac is running out of the goal. And he runs up to this big kid and goes, Wham! And just laid him flat on the field. And in in my mouth, I'm going, Isaac! And I'm going, yeah, thank God you finally got that. (laughs) I was so happy that finally somebody took up for the little kid that was being picked on by the bully. And whether you like it or not, People of color in this country have felt like they've been picked on by a bully for years and years and years and years. So you might not like the fact that they throw bricks, but maybe they don't like the fact that they can't get arrested without fearing for their lives. You just made it okay. No, but honestly, sometimes inside of me, I'm like, yes, stand up for your rights. Say something. Do something. For God's sake, they're tired of being bullied. Am am I close to being right? Cam, am I close to being right? It, it, am I close? To, I mean, would you, sir, you hear me talk. Am I close to being right? Every single day will I celebrate with you. And this is what I celebrate because I believe that the only thing that's going to change culture, it's not coming from the White House. And I don't care whether you love Obama, love Trump or hate both. It doesn't matter. It's going to come in this house. It's going to come in the church house. That's why. I did not plan to do what I did with Cam this morning, but by the Spirit of God, I felt like it was necessary. And he's not all black men and I'm not all white men, but you need to see. When Jesus when Jesus gathered up in the upper room with his disciples before on the Passover, before he was to be crucified, he washed their feet. And he didn't tell them before he got there, take a bath first. Because there was a whole lot of dirt that had been kicked on the disciples' feet and they had on their feet that he was going to wash off. And this country for years has kicked dirt on... On your feet, sir. I'm going to be one of the ones that will kneel down on my knees, figuratively in life, and make sure that that crap gets wiped off. Yeah. This is where it starts, right here. Yeah. Amen. I love seeing, and I've seen it blind eyes, open in ears, but what I want to see is, what I want to see is a city that just loves. Yeah. A city that just loves. All of us know what love feels like. That's how states will become synonymous with the glory of God. It's not this booming whoom and oh my God, fire came from him. No, it's going to be as sons and daughters allow the fire that's inside of them in individually say, I won't stand for him being treated less than me. I'll stand in solidarity with him until he's seen just like I'm seen, until she's treated like I'm, tra- I told my kids, Rachel and Jason, I think it was just sometime in the past three weeks, I was talking about some of the United States history. And I said, you know, like 50, 60 years ago, people of color couldn't, couldn't even vote. And Rachel said, wow, that's dumb. I said, that's exactly right, honey. It is dumb. Years ago, women couldn't vote. Why? Well, that's dumb. I said, you're right, honey. That is dumb. And there, I believe that we're only a generation removed from a people that don't look based and judge based on color or based on sex or based on the other stuff. But judge based on the finished work of Jesus that says, this is my son. This is my daughter. This is my family. And they're created in my image. I'm going to live to see it. And I hope I don't have to be around, you know, Moses' age, 120 years, to see it either. You know what, when you go to school, you don't, or work, you don't have to feel a heebie-jeebie and a goose pimple to make a change. You can just stand with your brothers and sisters and say, I'm gonna love you. And don't just say it, but do it. And when you've done wrong, apologize for it and say, you know what, I said something I shouldn't have said, or I acted in the way I shouldn't have acted. We're all growing up into this. All of us are growing. As a nation, we're still growing. And if the church takes the front on this, the nation survives. If the church doesn't take the front on this, this nation would be burnt to the ground. You better hear what I'm saying. If this nation's gonna survive, it's gonna be because men and women from different backgrounds and cultures choose to put aside differences and stand together and if it burns to the ground it's going to be because the church stays silent meanwhile having great sunday morning services but making no difference in their culture amen well this is not the kind of church i'm used to well good because what you're used to obviously have not been working why are we still talking this same stuff in 2020 the year of perfect vision here's what i see I see a whole lot of change that needs to come and a whole lot of change that's going to come. If you're one of the ones that's going to change, let's all stand on our feet. If you're one that'll commit, if you're, a, if you're not a person of color and you'll commit to do whatever you can do to make a difference for people of color, I'm not talking about doing something illegal. I'm talking about doing standing with them to let them know you love them. Raise your hand, let Cam and Marquita and, and other people, let them see your hands. This is a good start. I mean, I got Jesus took 12 and changed the world and one of them was a devil. Father, you know all, have seen all. You're the possessor of heaven and earth. The earth is the Lord's, according to Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And yet for whatever reason you've chosen in your sovereignty to give us dominion in this realm. So, Father, on behalf of True Vine Worship Center, on behalf of the Bunton family, on behalf of, on behalf of a Caucasian America, we ask you to forgive us for the way that we have treated people of color in this country, in this city, in our own community. Even in this church. I've asked Cam symbolically and CJ representing people of color of this generation and the one that that is to come for forgiveness. Because you said if we bring a gift to the altar and remember that there's been an offense there to leave the gift and make it right. And Father, I'm praying that you give this church, this family, the opportunity to make it right. That this would be a light on a hill. We might not be able to fix everything in the country, but we can fix it right here in our community. We can do that. We can fix things in our home. We commit to do that before you. Before you and before man today, we commit to doing whatever it takes to abolish the diabolical, ugly sin of racism in this country. Lead us by your spirit as we navigate uncharted waters, as we bring this nation, this city, into a new dimension of your glory that only happens as we see each other and ourselves as you see us. Let that be how the blind sees in this coming generation. I thank you for it, Lord. I give you praise for who you are. Thank you for blessing your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you.